My monsters are real. This is a podcast about facing your inner demons and becoming the hero you need to be. In this series, I address the topic of how abuse, trauma, and fear can affect us. I do this from the viewpoint of someone that actually went through it. Furthermore, I talk about how to start the process of becoming free from the prison of the soul that we are often trapped in after our abuses. We'll take a look at how those transgressions can affect us in our daily life and how they automatically reprogram our code to set us up for defeat. I'm not a doctor or a therapist. I have no PhDs. I am, however, a survivor. And so are you. It's time to stop waiting for someone to come and save you. It's time to become the hero that you were meant to be and save yourself. I hope my story can help. We all have this crazy way of looking at our trauma. Regardless of what kind of trauma it is, we generally tend to carry that burden alone. Seldom do we find ourselves telling others about our trauma in any kind of detail. This happens for a number of reasons. I can't speak for you and your experience. I didn't tell many people about my trip down the rabbit hole of abuse because I didn't think anyone would believe me. Well, I didn't at first anyway. I was conned into believing there was absolutely no way anyone was going to accept the fact that people were treating me in an abusive manner. The environment in the late 80s and the early 90s, of the South that is, was one of mind your own damn business. At any given moment, you could have been surrounded by dozens of people that were being abused just like you, and you never would have known it. No one really talked about their home life. This was a trump card in the abuser's pocket. It meant that the law and society worked in their favor. But this wasn't the only reason I didn't blow the whistle as a kid. For years, I had been gaslit into thinking that the entire world was a violent shithole and I was living a life that was above average. Remember, I was just a kid, stranded on a plot of land in a redneck hellhole in the middle of Alabama. I didn't know any better. They told me that if I spilled the beans to anyone, I would wind up in a much worse situation. I was led to believe that without their protection, I would end up in juvenile, or much worse, a foster home that beat me as well. They shoved the lie in my mouth and forced me to swallow it. I couldn't see it at the time, but my depression and fear, coupled with my meager stature, slightly edgier appearance, and inability to look authority in the eye, gave them the perfect tool for control in situations where people questioned my home life. It gave them the ability to pass me off as a troubled kid. Not troubled like in danger, but troubled as in disrespectful and spoiled. Someone that was angsty and rebellious. A child that was trying to get them in trouble to prove a point. Essentially, not only were they gaslighting me, but they were bullshitting everyone else. Through those forms of gaslighting and control, they were able to suppress my voice. The programming that they installed into my operating system didn't just die as I grew up, though. It actually reinforced itself as the years passed. But it was strange how that happened. 
allow me to explain. If you're listening to this, and you have never suffered trauma at the hands of other human beings, chances are you are incapable of understanding how the process works, or how detrimental it can be. Moreover, most people believe that they are strong enough to not be affected by such an experience. They put a lot of faith in their own ability to withstand assaults to their egos and souls. However, it's generally adults that believe this way, not kids. That belief generally leads them to dismiss or misunderstand how the situation affected those that suffered from it. They weren't there, so they have no idea. To make matters worse, those of us that were abused or suffered trauma don't like to talk about it. So our recounting of the story is generally vague and the entire conversation is glossed over. The older I got, the deeper I buried it and the less I wanted to talk about it to people that could give a shit less. This was where the shit programming really began to rear its ugly head. In my late teens and early 20s, I began to act in exactly the way that my parents had taught me to be. I was reckless and didn't care about anyone. If you helped me, I would accept the help, then blow up that relationship through self-sabotage. If you were connected to me as a friend or an associate, I would lie and gaslight you to make the situation that was negative work in my favor. I was angry all the time and would blow up at people for the tiniest reasons and avoid accountability at all costs. I was exactly what my parents had groomed me to be. The lies they forced me to swallow turned me into a cancer on all those around me. And when people asked me why I was that way, I couldn't get past my programming to tell them the truth. I was fucked up and broken. I needed help, but I couldn't help myself. The scared little boy was a puppet to his demons, and there was no hero in sight. My conditioning had sealed my tongue from speaking the truth and from realizing I was the victim of shit programming. If you are suffering or have suffered from the effects of shit programming, it's important to identify that code and rewrite it. That shit programming is a powerful link in the chains that bind you to your trauma. So now what? We've identified that abuse and trauma can mess us up and make our habits and behaviors detrimental to us and those around us. But how do we fix it? First, let's start with identifying our poor programming. We are all built to run code. Now, not code in the literal sense of ones and zeros, but the code of the human existence. Our brains are programmed in very specific ways to do very specific things in various situations. Our reaction to those situations is the result of our programming. Let me give you an example. When something is funny, you laugh. When something is incredibly sad, we cry. When we are hungry, we eat. When we're met with aggression or some kind of dangerous situation, our body will run a specific set of commands that will cause the release of adrenaline, cortisol, and a number of other chemicals. As we grow from infancy, our body is constantly installing new commands as a response to certain stimuli. Take driving, for example. Everything about the driving experience 
is nothing more than learned programming and code. How many times have you made it from one point to another and were barely even able to remember how you got there? Your brain ran code and you basically were on autopilot. Let me give you an example that's even simpler. Opening a bottle or a can. You were not born with the knowledge of how to open bottles and cans or how to open any container of any kind. We installed this programming in ourselves through practice and repetition. Eventually, when we are handed a bottle or a can, you don't even have to think of what to do. You just open it instinctually. The programming that runs in your brain handling almost all situations is exactly the same. Your actions, reactions, perceptions, processes, and outputs mostly run on autopilot. If you do not closely monitor those outputs and reactions, and even your perception, your entire life will be running on autopilot. Since I don't know you personally, it's difficult for me to pull a real-world example from your life, but I can pull one from mine. Because of my crappy upbringing and my very challenging school life as a kid, I learned to hate bullies. The programming that was installed in me set the rules and perimeters for my perception of what a bully is. This is how I identified a bully, basically. Those rules and perimeters are lines of code that my brain runs. The next line of that code says that if I identify someone as a bully, I will instantly become agitated and angry. That chunk of code runs on autopilot almost all of the time. If I see someone in the news that is being a bully, I instantly become agitated with that person. If I see someone in real life being a bully, I instantly become agitated and feel the need to step in and intervene. If I watch a movie where someone is being a bully, I still become agitated and my body begins to produce the chemicals that are associated with that agitation. Autopilot. Now here's the crazy thing about the code that is installed in you. Whether you installed it yourself or someone else put it there, your brain has difficulties distinguishing real from fictional or imagined situations. Let me elaborate. When I see someone on the news that is being a bully versus seeing someone in a movie being a bully or someone in real life being a bully, my brain instantly kicks me into the exact same state. It can't tell the difference. I become agitated. I want to intervene and my body begins to produce the same chemicals. When this code was installed in me, I was not able to give it nuance. That code was installed in me because I was constantly the subject of bullying, both from my parents and all those around me at the school I attended. Since I was young and my brain was just forming, learning to hate a bully was hardwired directly into my code. Now there's nothing wrong with hating bullies. They suck. But for my brain, to not be able to make a differentiation between a bully I see in real life, one I see on TV, or one I see on a movie screen causes a problem. Beyond the fact that this will pump chemicals into my body that will naturally bring about harm to me over time, my visceral reaction to the idea of a bully in any way, shape, or form makes everyday living kind of hard to do. 
there are a range of difficulties that arise from this reaction. The simple ones are the fact that even seeing this on a TV or a movie screen agitates me. That shouldn't happen. It puts me in a foul mood. Imagine being in a movie theater, pre-COVID, and getting irritated while watching a superhero movie with your family. Or imagine getting all riled up at a news report about something that I have no possible way of making a difference in. The more nuanced ways are far more insidious, though. When we are angry or upset, our brains don't process information in the same way. Because we have those chemicals flowing through us, our perception of time, relevance, good and bad, right and wrong are clouded by the anger brought on by those chemicals. Simple decisions that would be commonplace to most people are virtually invisible when you are upset and angry. There isn't much thought about the ramifications from your decisions when you are angry and upset. Instant gratification quickly becomes the law of the land when you are intoxicated by those feelings of anger. Watch a video of road rage and you'll see exactly what I mean. Now, imagine me walking out of the movie theater with this adrenaline and cortisol pumping through my veins over a scene in a movie and something goes wrong. Maybe I bump into someone and spill my drink. Maybe it's crowded and I have to push my way towards the door. Maybe my daughter asks me for a snack and it rubs me the wrong way. I am already in a state of agitation and anger. Most of the time, my response to any of those above situations in that state are going to be negative. I may lash out at the person that bumped into me, or I may get frustrated and start forcing my way through the crowd. I may even chew my little girl's head off for something that was so simple. Now, I understand these examples are a bit extreme, but they are certainly not unheard of. All of that just because some shit programming that was installed in me without my knowing by someone that was actually a bully. You can see how your programming can affect your day-to-day -day life. If that programming is crappy, it will have a crappy effect on your life. Now, how do we identify shit code? The answer to this is simple and complex all at the same time. So let's start with the simple answer. Anytime you run a set of code and the outcome is negative consistently over time, meaning you do this and you get a bad outcome and then you do that again and you get a bad outcome and then you do it again and you get a bad outcome consistently over time. That's how you identify it in the simplest terms. That's how you find out what shit programming is. The more complex answer comes when you start trying to identify what code you ran that brought you the crappy outcome. So many times we do things instinctually or on autopilot, as I mentioned earlier, and we don't even realize that they're happening. My anger was one of those things that just ran on autopilot all the time. Much like any emotional response, I was already balls deep in that anger before I knew I was even angry. I had already passed judgment on people without exchanging a single word with them or knowing anything about who they were. It all came over me so fast that I didn't have a chance to check that anger or that judgment and put it in its place. So sometimes it can be difficult to know when we're running code on autopilot. 
if we were going to make a change to the code that causes all of this trouble and complication, we would need some way of identifying that code prior to running it. We would need a litmus test. Now, this is the portion of the podcast that's absolutely going to piss off a lot of people. They're going to listen to this statement and think to themselves, why the hell did I choose this podcast? Why am I even listening to this? So before I tell you in the simplest of terms how you can know what portion of code is screwing you up, I would like to preface it with a warning. You're not going to like this answer. But let's be realistic. You already don't like the answer. You wouldn't have even started this podcast if shit hadn't been going wrong in your life. Day after day. If you weren't looking for some kind of change, this wouldn't be playing in your ears right now. You have become dreadfully aware of the fact that something is going wrong in your life and you're attempting to change it. You have sought out someone that has knowledge and experience in this subject because you're searching for an answer. So I'm going to give it to you. But remember, I said you probably weren't going to like the answer. The piece of code that you're running that is so screwed up in your programming is you. Yep, you heard that right. Without a shadow of a doubt, you are the reason that your life is not the way you want it to be. You infused into your code is what is causing the problem. Now immediately, I can tell there are some of you that are placing that blame on someone else, saying that this person is oppressing you or this set of situations isn't working out the way that you want it to. Maybe you didn't get the loan that you wanted. Or maybe you lost your job because your car broke down. Or maybe you didn't even have enough money to pay the rent. Maybe your girlfriend left you because she couldn't tolerate you and she has limited patience. None of that matters. We cannot change the world. Let me say that again. We cannot change the world. We can only change how we function within it. Through changing ourselves, we not only change how we view the world but how the world views us. Let that sink in for a moment. Through changing ourselves, we not only change how we view the world, but how the world views us. Pause this if you need to. Back it up and listen to that again if you need to. Whether you believe in God, Allah, the universe, Yahweh, the flying spaghetti monster, or nothing at all, there is one truth that you cannot deny. That big pile of meat sitting in your skull right now That thing we call a brain is the most powerful machine on this planet for adaptation, understanding, limitless willpower, and the ability to overcome almost any struggle that the universe throws at it. To quote my friend Brandon Kelly, you are a perfect machine. No matter how broken you are, no matter how screwed up you think you might be, you are still a perfect machine machine. Right now, I can hear all the eye rolls and dismissive sighs coming from people all around the world that just heard those words. Here's a quick hint. All of those people will never find the change they are seeking within themselves. They will absolutely never grow beyond what they are at this current moment. In fact, that reaction that they had is bad programming that they cannot see. There's an old saying that goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that is absolutely true. 
If nothing is broken, then there is nothing to fix. The flip side of that statement, though, is that if you don't know or realize something is broken, you'll never fix it. And more than likely, it's going to cause everything else to break. Our egos cause us more harm than we can possibly imagine. The downside of having such an amazing brain is that we often tend to think we're right about everything. Socrates famously said, The only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. To quote my friend Brandon Kelly again, It's not about what you know or what you don't know. It's about what you don't know that you don't know. So how shit programming affects us going forward through life. Okay, so before we get into discussing how you alter your code, how you remove the you from your code, the fucked up version of you from your code, I would like to take a moment to illustrate how our choices compound over time and affect our life in the future. Of everything that I tell you in this podcast, this could very well be the most important portion. So listen to this next sentence carefully. Decisions compound over time with interest. Your life is essentially one giant series of moments. In the beginning, most of those moments are dictated and controlled by your parents. But as you get to a certain age, you are then capable of making decisions for yourself. Those decisions that you make lead you into the next series of options. Remember we talked about the loop in the last episode? How something comes in, you process it, you have the output, and then you reap the ramifications of that, and then you have a new set of options or a new loop that presents itself. That's exactly what I'm talking about here, just on a much grander scale. Let's, let's try one on for size. Should you buy a car? If the answer is yes, then you will now have decisions to make based around that car. If you decide not to buy the car, then you will have decisions to make based around other forms of transportation. Good decisions, based on good information, run through good filters and processed with a healthy understanding of how the world works, will ultimately lead you to good options. Poor decisions, based on bad information, run through broken filters and processed with a poor understanding of how the world really works, will ultimately leave you with bad options. Essentially, it boils down to this one saying, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So once you've reached that point in your life where you're making decisions for yourself, those decisions will ultimately leave you with a different set of options based on how you make those choices. If you choose to blow all of your cash, you will be broke. If you choose to invest all of your money, you may be poor now, but you are building towards the future, provided your investments work. If you're in the habit of making bad decisions based on your inability to process situations properly, i.e. me with the bully and the anger, you're ultimately going to wind up with a whole slew of bad options popping up for you one after another. Decisions compound over time with interest. If your programming is bad, your decisions are going to be bad. That will lead to more bad options. Let's use the car analogy again. I have had too much to drink, and I need to go home. So I should get in the car, 
and drive myself, or I've had too much to drink, so I either need to call a cab or have one of my sober friends drive me home. That's all based on programming. That one simple decision is based on your programming. If your programming is poor, you're going to think you can drive yourself home. But if your programming is good, no matter how drunk you get, you're going to ask a friend to take you home. Most of us looking at this situation, even when we are intoxicated, would know that the proper decision is to either call a cab or have your friend take you home. However, if your filters are broken or not developed properly and you make the poor choice of driving yourself home, you now have the opportunity to have a whole bunch of really not cool options placed in front of you. You could get into an accident and destroy your car. You could get into an accident and destroy someone else's car. You could get into an accident and hurt someone. You could get pulled over and get a DUI or have your license taken away. You could kill yourself in that accident. You could smash into someone else's property and do a shit ton of damage costing you tons of money. You could take someone else's life. All those opportunities and possibilities pop up when you're making bad choices, and then you are further presented with bad options. So these things will continue to compound on themselves if you are not careful. We've all made bad choices, but being able to see them for bad choices, admit that we have made a bad choice, and then course correct from there is a sign of good filters and processing. But not seeing that our choices are what drives us into the ground is how we begin to build and compound poor choices over time. That leads to a poor life. Your shit programming will lead you to make poor decisions. Your shit programming will keep you from identifying which decisions will lead to good outcomes. Okay, so this next part is going to be a little difficult to choke down. It may not be your fault that you have shit programming, but if you want to start seeing better outcomes in your life, it damn sure is your responsibility to identify and rewrite your code. No one is coming to fix you. There is no Calvary, no superhero that will fly in and fix things for you. It's time to put on your own cape and mask. It's time to become the hero you need to be. You're going to have to save yourself. We change our lives by changing ourselves on a fundamental level. Our foundations must be solid before we can begin to repair the rest of our life. I know, feels a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Truths that are hard to accept tend to be the right ones. But don't worry. I think you'll make an incredible hero. Who knows? After you save yourself, maybe you can help save someone else. Now, we didn't skip over the identifying your poor code. We're going to get to that right now, but it's it's a little bit of homework. So we're going to wrap this episode up here so that you can simmer on this concept for a short while. And I do have that homework for you. You will need a journal. I want you to write down three statements. You'll say these statements to yourself every day, several times a day. Number one, my abuse slash trauma is real. It's a real thing that happened to me. Number two, I am not my trauma. I will no longer allow it to control my decisions. 
Now on the last one, you'll insert the name of the person, place, or thing that caused the trauma. Blank no longer controls me. I am more powerful than they know. Okay, so also in this journal, you're going to write down some of the areas you would like to see some improvement in your life. These areas can be things like health, finance, romance, relationships, etc. Be general. The specific stuff comes later. After you've written those down, I want you to go back and write down what is going wrong in those areas of your life currently. Again, be general, not specific. This is where you're going to start to see some of that poor coding peek out, but you have to be honest with yourself, okay? There's going to be a lot of accepting the faults on this one. There's not going to be much of a way to get around it if you want to fix this for real. But remember, we're talking about general, not specific. We get into the specifics as we go through the podcast more. But right now, just stay general and write down where you are lacking in those areas. What's not working right for you? We'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you found this podcast helpful. Before we're finished with our time together, I want to remind you of a few things. You are not your trauma. You are so much more powerful than that trauma lets you believe. Heroes are often forged in the fires of hell. However, you will never escape the shackles keeping you here in this hell unless you stand up and become the hero you are meant to be. Once you make that decision to unleash your inner hero, you will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I love you. Don't be afraid to love yourself. I'll meet you again in the next episode.